0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. It's the New Living Translation that I'm reading from. And um, we're starting from verse 22. I think where's this, got it? Okay. Then a demon possessed man who is blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided, By civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you've said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks the Son of Man can be forgiven, but but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the word, through whom at the beginning you created the world. And this morning we want to sit under what you have to say to us, with hearts open. And God, we pray that we take with seriousness what you're wanting to say. And allow our hearts to come under submission to all that you are, so that we would see life and experience life according to your will and your way. And God, we pray for your word to come out like a seed this morning and to bring forth fruit as you would have it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. So, I guess for me, this. Conversation started a little bit earlier um, than today. I have this um, coffee cup, and uh, it was a gift from from my teacher, the one I work with in Ottawa. And it says, I hate morning people. I'm not a morning person. Um, (laughs) But I hadn't used it that much. I got him to sign it, but I hadn't used it that much. But once I started to use it and to drink coffee out of it, it started to irk me a little bit when I would I would have the cup and I would read those words every morning. And then I'd be like, I don't think that's quite right. So I ended up taking a permanent mark, erased the word people because I figured I don't actually hate people. I just don't like mornings. And hate is such a strong word. I don't really hate mornings because praise God for mornings. Um, and it's one of those things where I became increasingly aware of the fact that Sometimes there are things that I will read and I'll pass by and they'll just be, I'll just take them in and it's almost like, oh yeah, but I don't think about it. But it's gone in there, right? It's gone in there. And so that's part of where this conversation starts. And for me, I'm aware that the conversations that that, that we choose to listen to, that we tune into, the narratives that we're part of, they actually influence our mindsets. And our mindsets influence our destinies. Now, if we're all familiar, I think most of us will be familiar with the fact that um, one, the first narrative that happened throughout the world was God, Adam, and Eve. There was a certain story and a certain way that God had created the world and he called it good. And so, as a result of that, he pronounced blessings on Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, work the ground, etc., and as a result of that, they had an understanding of the way the world worked that was informed by God, the Creator. And So that's how that happened. In Genesis, in chapter 3, there is another voice. There is another conversation that comes in and is part of, um, of the narrative that Adam and Eve know. And this is the serpent who was crafty. And he comes in and starts asking questions. Did God really say that if you eat of this tree of good and evil, that you will die? Surely not. And Eve responds, and she said, he, he didn't actually say we will we, we die. Just, he said, not only we will die, but if we touch it, we will also die immediately. But never said, if you touch it, you will die. She was relying on her memory. One of the things you will find about your memory is that it, it's actually not as reliable in a good and bad way, it's not as reliable. Um, every time you go back to access a memory, it's actually layered. It's um, it's got a little bit of extra thing on it, right? You might go back and start thinking back about um, when you were 10 years old. You're think you're not thinking about when you were 10 years old as a 10 year old. You're thinking about it at your age right now which means there are layers of experiences and ways for you to understand that that actually make the memory either sweet or bitter um, or a little bit more enjoyable, whatever it is. So memory is not always that reliable. And so for Eve, she ends up then going and adding a little bit extra and going, if you touch it. But that's not quite right. She had good intentions. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Good intentions, but... Then it all happens. We know the story. And um, what, I'm, what I'm really, uh, what, what helps me to think a little bit more into this story and takes me a little bit deeper is that when God is having vexation conversation with Adam um, and Eve and he asks them the question, first of all, where are you? He then, Adam replies and he says, um, I hid myself because I was naked and ashamed. If you read a little bit earlier on in chapter 2 of Genesis, the Bible does say that Adam and Eve were naked, but they had no shame. You see, it was the exact same position that they were in, but their understanding of their state of the status was actually coming from a different voice. And so God says, Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? What's this other voice that you have allowed to come into the depths of your soul and to actually tell you how you are? who you are, where you're going, right? Where are you right now and what voices are actually influencing the direction and the course of your life? Who told you you were naked? Something coming from the wrong source can still be true, but it can lead you to a completely different destiny. God can tell you that you're a good person. And then somebody else can tell you're a good person. What about this whole, um, this whole idea of God doesn't make mistakes when he creates people? What do we do with that? Right, Coming from ourselves, sometimes it can actually be an excuse to actually in the spaces and the places where we're at. I'm perfect the way I am. God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, but you still need to change Right, What does God say when he says you are perfect the way you are? There is a famous saying, watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character. Your character becomes your destiny. And we do need to pay attention to our thoughts. We do need to pay attention. Um, And I'll tell you a little bit why later on. And so, however, if we can't really rely, if deed, um, on our understanding, on our own thoughts and our own memory, uh, Proverbs gives us a little bit of advice, which it it says that uh, we need to trust God, not on our own understanding, to acknowledge Him in all our ways, and He will make our paths straight. What do you stand on? Is it your own wits? Your own experience? It's not mistake experience for the Word of God. When Jesus came under the same temptation as Eve did, and as every single one of us will ever do, He didn't actually repeat His own words, when you think about it. Being the Word of God, He didn't repeat His own words. He said... It is said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And it's not that he couldn't rely on his memory, but whenever we come up against somebody or something that questions God, what's our response? Is God able to defend himself? Or we will step into that. Our lives, we heard from Josie, our lives will always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So what are they influenced by? Narrative in your mind is what's going to govern the reality of your experience. And if we're going to be formed in our hearts, we need to be renewing our thoughts, paying attention to what's going on inside of us. Um, here's a statement. You will never become what you've never thought of but you will become what you think about. If that's Jesus we continue to become more and more like him. So this whole transformation thing it starts salvation. It starts with Jesus it starts with us saying yes to him. And salvation that first response and saying yes to Jesus is actually just a precursor or or a beginning step that's meant to be like a broad stroke of what God is meant to be doing in every single part of our lives. So the proverb uh, verse, which is from Proverbs chapter four, Pro- Proverbs chapter three, sorry, from verse four, which is trust in the Lord and in all your ways acknowledge Him. The work of salvation is actually meant to seep through and start to to invade every single area of our life. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Is God part of this way, in 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 uh, in in all our so the details. What does that mean? It's in my parenting. It's in my loving. It's in my being. It's in my thinking. It's in my acting. It's in my speaking. The hopes that I have, the wealth that I have, how generous I am. It's in my pain. It's in my suffering. It's in my feelings. He. I acknowledge Him in my identity, in my working and in my resting. There's so much more. In all our ways, our ways are the ways, are pretty much what we do out of who we are. In all our ways, acknowledge Him. All our ways need to be affected. So what we live out of how we live, it's how we think, we believe. I'll give you um, an example of this, and and this is an example where I just assumed that because I'm following Jesus, that every single part of my life is just going to turn out like a new, I'm a new creation. Um, so I, I work with at-risk kids, and um, very early on, I think probably. We'll, we'll, was between the first months when I started working with young kids. um, There was this interaction. I think it was a break time. I was in the middle of the... I was actually sitting down, and a few of my students are having a bit of a laugh. Um, I think they are talking about who's more ticklish than who, and you know where those conversations go. Somebody's going to start tickling someone. So I'm there. I'm laughing my head off. They're tickling each other. So my student comes up... And he, like, wants to tickle me. He asks me the question, am I ticklish? The answer is yes, I am. And he wants to tickle me. And I say exactly these words, don't treat me like one of you. Because I'm following Jesus, I'm now in the process of journeying and partnering with Holy Spirit in redeeming the ways of my heart. All the issues flow from there. That's from Proverbs chapter 4. Don't ever assume that the first confession of faith is your silver bullet for working it out and walking it out with Jesus. There's a working it out that needs to happen. And so for me, my assumption about my good intentions, like, yes, I had good intentions. Did not mean I, I didn't want to? Like, No, it didn't mean that. I had good intentions. I knew that. But your good intentions don't turn out always into the actions that are connected to them, right? There was still a space in my heart that was rebellious, jaded, a little bit paranoid, double-minded, very worldly. And this is where... We take our part in, in in making sure that we are acknowledging God in all our ways, so that it actually makes a difference that we're saved. It actually shows up somewhere in our lives, in our parenting. It shows up somewhere in uh, how we love people, how we talk about people. And um, when my uh, when I was when I was thinking about this. There is a verse in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter ten, that helps with being able to being able to do this effectively. And um, as we pay attention to as we pay attention to um, to our thoughts, here's what Paul says: We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And it's not just other people's rebellious thoughts. It's my rebellious thoughts too. Are my beliefs... Are your beliefs about your past, your present, your wealth, your generosity, your parenting, your future, about God, about people? Are your thoughts submitted to what God actually says about those things? And when we come against, when we come to the point where we're meeting, where our thoughts contradict God's thoughts, God's ways and God's words, Who moves? How long does it take to move? Thinking a little bit more into this. To take thoughts captive is to imprison them. To restrain them. To bind them. To force a boundary or a limitation on them. And we're the ones doing this. It means we're already victorious. It means if that thought, that way of parenting, that way of living, that way of loving, that way of relating to one another is not godly, we bring it under submission, while paying attention to it, we bring it under submission to the Lordship of Christ. We place limitations on it. We don't entertain it. We take it captive. Why? Because if we let it run rampant, it's going to influence our mindsets. And it's going to lie dormant in the back there. And we're going to steal good intentions. We are saved. And we're going to always do the right thing. But that's not really the reality. And so we make it our practice to submit our thoughts to Jesus. And our lives take that path of submission to Him. So, as we read... As we read that um, initial verse, no one can actually come into the, the house of a strong person and bind them unless they are stronger. And Jesus is that strong man who is able to come no matter what it is we're seeing. is able to come because he's the king of the universe. He's able to come and to bind up whatever thoughts and to break them and to usher in a new kingdom. So, think saved. Think redeemed, meditate on God's word as a source of your living. Josie again said, "Life battles are won and lost in the mind. This is why we don't lean on our own understanding. Because there are strongholds within our minds that need Jesus to come in to break them down and to set up a new kingdom and a new way of thinking. Acknowledge Him in all our ways, and He aligns us, He sets us up for our destiny wherever we walk. Life is attracted to who you are. So who are you? In your mind, in your heart, who are you? What circumstances, what relational circumstances are you attracting? A renewed mind leads to a transformed life, Romans 12. And whatever is in our hearts is indicative of the meditation of our minds. Whatever is in our hearts indicates what our minds are dwelling on. If I want to know what's in my heart, I need to pay attention to what I'm speaking. It's not that it's hidden. Our minds are revealed in our hearts, and our hearts are revealed through our speech and our mouths. What we know well is from Jeremiah 17, chapter 19, is that the heart is actually deceitful, deceitfully wicked, above all things. We can understand it. And when we assume that we have the best intentions, you know, the heart doesn't actually have a problem with you assuming that you have great intentions. It's not, it doesn't have a problem with deceiving you. It doesn't. It thinks for itself. Pastor Ali told us that. It has its own neurons. It thinks for itself. Follow your heart is the worst advice ever. Just by the way. And, and the thing about this session is it's really deceiving. And you don't work it out until it's too late. And so your heart is revealed by the words you speak. We, we, we ought to pay attention to what we say. It reveals what's inside. It reveals what source, what conversation we're listening to. What is informing the way that we're understanding our world. It informs us. So, that joke that that person says, it's not just a joke. Complaint. It's not just a complaint. It's seasoned with a layer of what's happening on the inside. And the reason it's important to pay attention to this is as, wo- as soon as our, the words leave our mouths, whatever is happening, they actually live with power. The example of that is uh, I'll try to find an example, and gossip came to mind. Um, Gossip, every word of gossip lives with the power to influence another person's perception of whoever is is you're talking about. Now, the thing about gossip is it reveals that we're actually meant to be open, open um, to other people, to share everything, um, to to be authentic, to be open and honest. Um, But when it's gossip, it actually comes out of an insecure heart. And sometimes it's hard, it's easy to hide our insecurities behind discouraging words. And here's why gossip is not fantastic or slandering. Um, I try to, like sometimes we'll just think, oh, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just words. It's just words. But Jesus says for every idle word, we're actually going to need to give account for it. And... Australia is known I don't know if you know this, it might be news to you, but Australia is known as uh, a nation where we've got what's called the toll poppy syndrome and um, something to do with cutting people's legs from underneath them. Have you ever given an encouragement that f- that was following that was followed with a but? It's a great person, but there are you know They did that so well, but it just takes away from everything you're trying to say. Now, we don't usually think this is a big deal. Um, So let's find out where the source of that is uh, for me, which is a lot more serious than I actually thought at first. I found this. um, Tyler actually read it on Friday night as he was preaching, and I thought, Wow, this is insane. So, Job, which is one of the possibly the oldest story in the Bible, next to Genesis account. Um, Job, there was a man. I'm reading from the New King James. This to Job, chapter one. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. Was Job, and that man was blameless and upright before, um, and upright, and he feared God, and shunned evil. In verse 6, it says, There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before God, and Satan also came among them. And God said to Satan, From where have you come from? So Satan answered, and he said, From going to and fro to the earth, from walking back and forth on it. Then God said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright person who fears God and shuns evil. Satan answered to God and he, and he said, Job does fear God, but not for nothing. Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and all he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possession and increased um, and his in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to you um, to your face. The New Living Translation Um, goes, um, you know, yeah, yeah, he's he's righteous and all that, but do this. Now, let's be honest. We've all had that thought when you think about a person who's like really, 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 really rich. And you go, if I had that money, I'd be doing something different. Or take away their money. Let's see what kind of person they are. That's where it comes from, that kind of line of thinking. That's where it comes from. They're only that generous because they have that much money. They're only that good to people because they have never gone through anything in life. That's where that kind of line of thinking comes from. Attention to your words. Jesus places a high value on every single thing that comes out of the mouth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverb Proverbs tells us: those who love it will reap its fruit. Have you stopped to think about what you've what you've been saying recently, or um, to listen to people who are talking to you? Quick tip about the brain is that we process um, incoming words at about an average of one hundred twenty-five to. 250 words per minute not much and um, when we are forming our thoughts we form them at an average of about 1000 to 3000 words per minute so you've been talking to yourself a lot faster than you've been listening (laughs) Exactly. Let me give you an example. So two weeks ago, uh, we were coming from church and we are dropping off uh, my sister's home. And Laura said something. She was driving. She said something. I was otherwise occupied in my head. I was tired. Um, And she said something and I heard every single word. And um, I didn't respond, though. She said, are you listening? I'm like, yeah, I heard you. And do you know what I proceeded to do? I repeated every single word that she had said the way she'd said it, without missing anything. Was I paying attention? No, not at all. Is she here? No, no, she's not here. Woo! Um, I wasn't. So, mums and dads, when your kids tell you exactly what you've just said to them, spouses, You are currently having a conversation with yourself that is six to twelve times faster in your mind. That's a lot of thoughts. Paying attention to what you say is what you say slows down everything and the chatterbox that is going on inside of your mind. So your heart doesn't hide behind good intentions. One of the things that Jews used to do is that they would, in their meditating of the Word, they would actually chant it out. They would speak it. They would read it. Because sometimes you can read something inside of you. I'm actually thinking about bunnies right now. Or you can be talking, and I'm thinking about bunnies. I have the capacity to be able to think about what you're talking to me about but also to be somewhere completely different. But when we slow it down, we arrest our hearts. We, take, we have opportunity to take thoughts captive and to go, no, you will not run rampant. I'm going to bring you and place limitations on you. And we're going to work this out with God and with the Word of God. And so what Jews would do, would chant it, they would chant it, they would chant it. The fact that Jesus didn't have a Bible with him in the desert, when the devil came and tempted him, he was still able to cross Scripture. Because at the end of the day, we're going to be relying or standing on something. It's either your memory about how good you are and your experience, or it's going to be the Word of God. What are you going to be standing on? That's why God says meditate. So here are some take-home points on how to take thoughts captive and renew our mind and align ourselves with the ways of God. Um, One of the things that we do with our mouths is we confess. We confess our sins to one another. We confess our wrongdoing and pray for one another. Another part of confession is confessing Christ. It says that in Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth... That Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. We don't just confess ourselves, we're not to be sin mentality. We're meant to be Christ-centered. Confess. The second part is we praise, or we profess, or we assert, or we maintain a winning outlook because we are victorious. My words will always reveal what source I'm working with. Do you have a defeated mentality? Because that will come out through your words. Some of the walls and the mountains that you are currently facing will not come down unless you exercise the authority of saying to them the greatness of your God. That's just how it is. Because God has placed the power of life and death in our tongues. He's not going to take it away. And in that same vein, if we speak death, defeat, in our near future, that's what we're going to reap. That's what's going to happen. But if we choose life, if we choose to confess Jesus Christ and to praise Him in the middle of our storms, at least, and and it's one of those things like, it's not going to be like, God make this situation better, and then it becomes better that's not what, that's not all we're talking about we're talking about if this situation is dire and it's not great i'm not just going to accept it like that however i'm going to bring it to god and if if he says if he says it's not going to change then that's what i'm going to go with because even receiving a no That has so it's so much different than receiving a no from the world. Your circumstance explained by you, the world, the devil, can be completely different if explained by God. I'm not telling you confess it and then you'll get it. It's just, hey, just let's align ourselves with God, Him speak. Into that circumstance, and the last one is. Um, oh, actually, before I share the last one, the 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 example that I had with that was, um, and and this happens a, l- a lot of games is that we'll we'll sing the our football games we call them anthems, right? I don't know any anthems. <laughs> I don't know any anthems. Um, but here's the thing. We will see men and women who can chant an anthem over their football team. And we are releasing some stuff. We are psyching ourselves up. We're going to win, right? And then you come home and it's like, I don't know what you're facing. Are you going to start singing the praises of your God? Are you going to start confessing that God sees and, 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 and he in the midst of everything that you're going through? Um, I mean, we've learned the Sunday school song, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. But when I'm going through a hard time, I doubt it. So, right? We've learned the Sunday school songs. It's in those spaces where we where we can't see it that we need to profess it. Our very own nature, as we're created to become like Him and we come under Him, our very own nature puts us in a place and in a space where we should not. Submit ourselves to anything that is not submitted to God. That means my situation, unless it's God's will for it to be that way, I'm still praying, God, come have your way. Come have your way. Do you want to change something here? Jesus is the strong man that is going to come and break apart whatever it is that's going on around you. And he's going to reinforce... He's going to, he's going to really... force. His way of thinking and being in that situation, if you choose to reinforce it. He's already won. He's already won. It's our place to assert it. The last one is prophesy. Speak a new reality in front of you. God, in His grace, in His wisdom, and in His providence, allow us to see what's wrong with the world around us. What are we going to do about it? If Jesus is here to change things, are you okay with everything that's going on? Because we have the mind of Christ, we get the privilege to partner with Him to change things. Because when we speak, things move. Things move. Could God be calling you to prophesy a different narrative over the situation that you're facing today? And once you start prophesying, what do you do after that? You stop the complaining. You speak hope. You speak life. I'll give you an example. Me and a friend of mine who we were having a chat in in, um, in the office and um, he proce- I hadn't seen him for a while. So he proceeded to let me know that, hey, I've actually, I've actually just been made redundant. My old job and my old work and, um, you know, here's the stuff that happens. So we're talking through that. There is a part where you've got to process things through things Um, and through stuff that happened. And if you're unhappy, you know, just process through that speaking. But what do you do with that after that? So we then started, after chatting and after having a little bit of this time, we then just started, I heard from his mouth, like, you know what? I think God has something better for me in the future. I'm like, yeah, I'll agree with that. You know, it doesn't feel great right now, but I'm hoping... And I'm believing and I'm praying that God sees what I'm going through. The fact that I actually need a job and that He's going to provide something better, a better workplace for me. I kid you not, in the middle of us talking like that, He gets a phone call from a potential employer. And I'm there feeling the presence of God, like getting goosebumps because I already know what's happening. And he's talking right there. And I'm like, I am in the middle of a miracle. I am in the middle of a miracle. And so he gets off the phone and he says, I've got a job interview. Two weeks after that, he's got a job. That's just one example. That's just one example of what could happen. And as a result of us confessing things in the atmosphere. Yeah, this is like this, but God has something better for me. Yes, this is like this, but I'm not meant to live here forever. And my confession is going to be partnering with Christ for what He wants for this new future. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.org dot com dot au